Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Father God, we thank you and we praise your holy name. We thank you, Father. We thank you for making us aware. We thank you for the trials and tribulations. We thank you for the difficulties in our lives. We thank you for testing the righteous. We praise you for the days that we're in right now, even though many of us are befuddled, <laughs> dismayed, as it says in Joshua 1, 9, because we see how dark the things have come or become around us. But we don't have your eyes. We don't see what you're able to see. And for that reason, especially, we praise your name because we know that you would want not one to perish. And it is only you and with your sight, looking upon the hearts of the people of the world, knowing that the things of the earth have to degrade to a particular level before ultimately enough people are awakened at the level that they can be. And only you understand that, Father, and we praise you for it. Father, we pray for the prophets out there, the people that have been trying their best. So many of them have... Um, you know, we, you know, many of many of them appear uh, to be victims of the Stanley Fraudsham prophecy. No question about it. At least as best we can tell. But Father, for those who have just kind of messed up a little bit here and there, we just pray, Father, that well, we pray not only for them, but we pray for all all of us, especially, um, Father. We lift up the the. Uh, the Seven Mountains Mandate people, we lift up the NAR people, Father. We, we hold them up before you and we just pray for all of the brothers and sisters that we have had over the years <clears throat> that have fallen victim, essentially a type of a victim, really, um, to the pillow profit dynamic or the pillow profit problem, if you will, that Brother Wilkerson had spoken of even uh, in front of millions of people during um, the early days of the uh, PTL club. Father, we just pray that you will forgive each and every one of us because we're all so in deeply and inherently flawed. We make mistakes. We think things we should not have think. We say things we should not have say. And, Father, we just oftentimes don't even realize that we're sinning when we are. And I praise you for helping us to recognize that in the parable of the tax collector, we need to become the tax collector. We need to have that contrite spirit. We need to go, and some, some of us, many of us, especially myself, we, w we wouldn't have the contrite spirit if it wouldn't be for the trials and tribulations that we've had to go through, the mountains of disappointments associated with our imminent departure, knowing even that the very word soon or imminent is impossible to define. <clears throat> Father, we praise you for, for um, enlightening us to the level that we're at right now, knowing that at any time you may have another epiphany to send down our way that we would be able to make an adjustment on our anticipation and expectations. Father, we praise you for your mercy, for your mercy does endure forever. We praise you for the mercy that you're extending to those who do not see the things that are happening across the world and wouldn't really know how to prepare their hearts and their minds, even if they did. Father, we pray for our fellow brothers and sisters that are struggling with addiction, struggling with smoking, particularly men having uh, tremendous difficulties with addictions to porn and different things. I get a lot of emails for prayers for these types of issues. Father, we lift up the people out there that know that they have problems in their hearts and the way that they feel about other people around them, but they still struggle to make the adjustments that are necessary. All of us do struggle, Father God. I just think, I feel in my heart, just through my own experiences, that many of us, many of us just do not realize 
how close we are and the impact of it. And we also under and we also praise you, Father, for Luke twenty one thirty six, to help us to be able to understand when it says pray always to be accounted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you, Lord Jesus, to know that that's at the wedding supper, to understand through the multiple testimonies. Really, I don't know how many, but probably many dozens of testimonies that are highly credible and some of them undoubtedly credible that help us to understand that the vast majority of the Christians that um, our fellow brothers and sisters that are uh, that make it to heaven they don't get to see Jesus right away when they do they enter into the uh, into the country mansion areas into the suburbs and it, it's uh, it's a, just a really fascinating and challenging thing to, to believe that, you know, so many of our fellow brothers and sisters believe that we all are going to be living on the same street, that there's no hierarchy, that there's, um, you know, that they don't really even conceive or understand what the concept of uh, heavenly rewards and inheritance is about. And Father, we just praise you for helping us to understand the layout of heaven a little bit, pretty well, and to be able to understand that there is a hierarchy, that not all the homes are the same size. Uh, not everyone is located as close to Mount Zion as, as, as another. And, that, and, and to be able to embrace that and to continue to have deep hope that we will be counted worthy. And we pray, Father, we, I believe with all of my heart that that being counted worthy to escape all these things can only be... Why would it say all? <clears throat> Why would that scripture, Luke twenty-one thirty-six, say all if all was not the key word? If it didn't mean all, if it only meant some of the stuff. And the question that we would have, but we know that you're not going to tell us, and it's okay. We have to learn to live with it in our walk, giving you praise for all of our trials, tribulations, and challenges, the testing of our hearts, the refiner's fire, the occasional chastening, if that's where we are in our walk during the, the you know the uh, progression of our sanctification. We just pray, Father God, we thank you so much for helping us to see the things that are happening across the world and have at least some sense of how close we might be. And helping us also, Father God, through the things that you have taught us and shown us and the prophecies that have been um, untarnished and accurate uh, to help us be able to piece together the major events that we ought to be looking for. And not being so dis, uh, uh, sad, you know, sad in our hearts and, and, and kind of bummed out that we're uh, still being subject to the darkness that is associated with life on this planet even now. The things that are of the darkness, that the, um, wow, I don't know, the abominations, that would be the right word, I think, praise God. The abominations, Father, that we see happening around us, there's really no place for us to turn but to you. So many of us are so easily pulled into the uh, trap of following a particular individual in a social media um, format. We don't understand, many of us, the vast majority of Christians out there, our fellow brothers and sisters, they don't understand how the angels can steal away if we don't pray through and we're not speaking in tongues and we don't fervently lean into our prayers and set aside private time in the early morning dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, or the late at night, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and 
really setting ourselves apart and being completely alone with you, to be able to hear that still small voice, to be able to sit quietly and not be distracted by noise around us, constant communication and busyness, electronic busyness in many cases. We praise you, Father, for helping us to be able to hear that still small voice. Father, we're in a time right now which I think is being, which, it, which I believe is echoed by the prophecy that you gave Sister Bonnie many years ago, back in 2013. I think it was around about August, but I don't remember. Where it said that there will come a time when we feel like, you know, you're not there. Jesus, there will come a time when we feel like you have forsaken us. But that nothing could be further from the truth. That you would never leave us or forsake us. But we may be going through a dark period where the... um, I don't know what the right word is. Is it obviousness or overtness or um, whatever the right word is, that the closeness of hearing your voice, the closeness of hearing what we need to be able to hear to navigate the, the confusion on this earth right now feels less... Um, I'm really struggling with communicating to the, this father, but it, it feels like you're sometimes a little bit far away. It feels a little bit to many of us that you're a little bit far away, Jesus. But but then at the same time, we see our 1111s. We get our gentle touches. We have times when we're in prayer on our knees in the dark early in the morning. It's very quiet when we do feel your presence. There are manifestations of little mini-miracles that occur in our walk that help us to understand that you're right there by our side. And we praise you for all of those. For the days of darkness that we are in right now, in fact, those which were prophesied as the period of sorrows, um, we certainly are there. We certainly, certainly are there. But yet at the same time, we have no idea, nor are we going to be able to have an idea how long we're going to be here. So we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would anoint us, each and every one of us, with a spirit of peace, a spirit of patience and long-suffering, a spirit of self-control, a spirit of endurance, really, to be able to go through each and every day knowing that there are people that you know, your people that you know, Father, that are, that by waiting, by putting off uh, the inevitable even longer, that you're giving people more time to be able to adjust to the days that we're in right now, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just to the point where they're, they become aware that we are clearly in the end times. They become aware that the things that are happening around the world are definitely biblical, even though they don't open their Bible. And again, Father, we pray that you will extend an, a special cup of mercy for those who have been deceived by the darkness, that are believing heresies that are associated with um, the Seven Mountains Mandate. And Father, we pray that you will forgive them. Please forgive them, Father. I'd like to say they don't know what they do. Obviously, they they don't, because if they did, they certainly wouldn't do it. But Father, we also pray for those, the many millions of Christians that have been listening to them for many, many years, in some cases 20, 30 years, and they believe every word. They stand upon it. 
and it gives them a hope that they should not be given because it is contrary to your word. In fact, it's indeed anti-Christ. Anything that's contrary to your word, when Jesus is the word, is anti-Jesus or anti-Christ. And there's so many people that are dismayed. There are so many people that have, have come to the end of their rope, so tired, so worn out, dealing with the trials and tribulations, the problems, the sicknesses, all the things that we have to put up with. And we have to do it and just buck up, buck up and continue to be patient and learn to completely put our trust in you. And in that regard, Father, we also ask you, please, to pour out a spirit of trust upon each of our hearts that is far beyond anything that we have experienced thus far in our walk. For we're in a time right now that without totally trusting you, for you will keep us in perfect peace whose minds are stayed upon you because we trust you. We need to be kept in perfect peace. And as it says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it's because we trust you. We're not going to be kept in perfect peace if we don't trust you. We thank you, Father, for helping us to understand these things, to be able to see not only the explicit meaning of the word, but the implied meaning of the word, and be able to meditate upon it and see the words, the key words, to look them up in a a dictionary and a thesaurus and come to a, a better understanding of what the intent of the scripture was, to understand when context is important, when context is not important, and to understand lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, here a little, there a little. To, to know that certain people will read a particular scripture and, and get something out of it, but it's not until they grow up in Christ that they'll read that same scripture and see something completely different. And I can say that that has been the case for me more than I can, I can't quantify it. It's amazing. And I praise you for it. Father, I pray for that spirit of trust to fall upon each of our hearts, to embed itself into our hearts, our minds, our soul, in such a way that we really, truly do wake up the next day. And even though it's very dark out there, we do have peace to truly trust you. And we thank you for this opportunity to be able to serve you. I praise you, Father God, for the continuance of my job and ability to be able to pay, you know, pay pay for this program and keep things going because it could be easily gone for whatever reason because of your mercy with all of the mistakes that I've made you've chosen to allow this to continue a little bit longer we see the the evil jaws of Satan and the the laws of the Antichrist closing in quickly upon us through every terms and conditions statement every um, agreement click-wrap agreement that we might go through on the Internet or on YouTube or whatever the case is, wherever it is that we, we may be hanging out on the Internet. And we just praise you, Father God, for helping us to understand that when these, when, when these laws and terms and conditions are being tightened around us to, to essentially squeeze all Christian words off the Internet, Father, we, we realize that that is just one more indication of how close we are. And we praise you, Father, with all of our hearts. We know that we are very, very close. While so many of our fellow brothers and sisters are making fun of the events of the Miami Mall situation, while so many of our other fellow brothers and sisters are making fun of the events that occurred in the uh, Chabad Lubavitch headquarters in, in New York in the underground tunnels, 
because they don't understand it. And they just see everybody as Jews. They see Hasidic Jews and they say, well, they're, they're wearing, they got the beard, they got the hat, you know, and they just make an assumption that they are Jews and they're not. They're Jews that are not Jews. They're from the Khazars, Khazars. And Father, they don't understand these things. They don't understand any of the history. They don't understand the Babylonian Talmud. They don't understand that it's more evil than even the, the, the most dark, murderous words out of the Koran. <clears throat> and Father, we just ask you to forgive us all for our ignorance because we all have some degree of ignorance and we praise you for your mercy upon us when you, through your benevolence and kindness, show us something new that it might, may, might enhance our walk with you to have a better understanding of why these things are happening, to not generalize and to clump everybody in Israel into one big category, ignoring the Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of Jews, true Jews, not, not Jews that are not Jews, but real bloodline tribes of Israel Jews that are around the world in many different countries that did not ever go to Israel. And our weaknesses, Father, we simply can't seem to keep ourselves from... trying to think of the right word, to keep ourselves from generalizing and clumping everyone into one category. Thank you for helping us to understand that the answer is not A, the answer is not B, the answer is always C, all of the above. Keep our hearts and our minds humble and contrite before you, Father. Help us to be the Beatitudes and not just to read them. We pray for that anointing more than anything. For you are our awesome Father, our Abba Father. And without you, I don't think that any of us could sustain appropriately and walk as best as possible in your righteousness. Seeing and knowing the things that we see around us now, I don't think there's probably any place in the entire universe or multiverses that are out there trillions of life forms and civilizations that more lies are being told per second than this planet now. Satan truly is filthy. But we understand why you're using him. And we know that the end result is many, many untold, innumerable group of your people, Father. Those who you choose and are have tried to call in some cases but did not respond to the call, or many, many, many others that are looking for you but have not found you yet. We praise you because we know that you're going to wake them up, for you would not want one to perish. We thank you for hearing our prayers, touching people in dreams and visions of the night, Lord Jesus coming upon them in places that can't be reached by missionaries, or never have been, but yet your awesome mercy, the presence of the angels, and you, Lord Jesus, are so loving that you would appear to them while they're in deep sleep and call them, change their lives forever, and help them to understand that which they have missed out on, sadly, for the majority of their time on this planet. We praise you, Father, for your mercy. It does endure forever. Give us the patience of Job. Please, 
and pour out that anointing of trust. Forgiveness and trust. For through this, by your mercy, we might yet still be able to have joy in the darkest time that the world has ever seen, the period of sorrows. We praise your holy name forever and ever. Hallelujah. And amen. Tonight is January the 12th. Friday night, January the 12th. The time now is 7.24 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And tonight together, because we can and we are so blessed that we can, we're going to light the Sabbath or the Shabbat candles, however you'd like to pronounce it, that's fine. I like to light three, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for our Holy Spirit. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you so much. We don't deserve you. You are the wind beneath our wing. Sustain us with your love. Vadodi, Vadodi Lee. We praise your name. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruchat Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Bore perihagathen. Aruchat Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher kichanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yavahu v'ratzon hinchilanu Zikaron lemase vereshit. Ki hu yom techila lemikra e kodesh. Zechelitziat mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch atah Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our minds, our soul, our spirit, our flesh our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood. And Father, purge it with your white, hot, holy fire. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We praise your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for that spirit of trust. We pray that we have it embedded in our heart, our soul, our spirit, more than ever before, 
For it is a really good feeling to be able to turn all your worries, to hand them over to you, and to trust you that you're going to take care of everything. Because you will. We praise your name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. One thing I have desired of the Lord that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, you will hide us in your pavilion and the secret place of your tabernacle you shall hide us. You shall set us high upon a rock, based upon Psalm 27.4. Who, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, He who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. We praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Arise, my love my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Thank you. 
ourselves sometimes, I know I do, why is it that there are so many differing opinions and conflicting prophecies and dreams and things like that out in the social media by people who we really wouldn't have a reason to doubt their Christianity? Um, And um, the answer is actually has been presented to us by our Father, but only a few of us. It just seems to be that way. You know, Amos 3, 7, surely the Lord God does nothing. I, I'm paraphrasing this a little bit, but surely the Lord God does nothing without first revealing it through his servants to prophets. <clears throat> yes, and this is still me clearing my throat from that, <laughs> excuse me, whatever that virus was that I got over the holidays. It just is a hanger on her. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Um, but anyway, let me go ahead and see if I can find this one prophecy. I want to call this out to you just because it's really, really important. Here it is. Great. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And let me go ahead and bring up the readability of it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so why is it that there's so much disparity out there? Why is it that there's so many what would appear to be false prophets? Certainly would appear that way. But it really isn't quite that simple in the days that we're in right now. I don't want to say that all of the rules have changed because that wouldn't be accurate. But I do want to say that the rules are definitely different. It's one of the reasons why the Holy Bible leads into the end times, the specific passages that are unique to the days that we're in right now. It says things like, there will come a time. Well, we're there for sure now, because there isn't going to come another time. There's no doubt that we are the fig tree generation. We are, this is the last iteration. This is the last um Let's just put it this way. If the Bible was broken up into a into a big, thick bunch of DVDs and you could watch the different Bible stories, you know, on different DVDs, a big box set, we'd be on the last one. Well, if we weren't on the last one, we would definitely be on the second to the last one. And then you could make the argument that the very last DVD would be the great tribulation. But we're on the precipice. I've seen um, people prophesying, I don't know if you want to call it prophesying, or maybe sharing a vision, where they uh, said, oh no, the Lord showed me Jacob, the time of Jacob's trouble, and tears are just gushing down their face, and they're horrified. They're horrified. And um, I praise God that we've been so blessed over the years. To be have to have been spoon fed, uh, show at a time, um, through various people, uh, but some who have been literally taken into the future and by the Lord and shown lived were there physically were there during the new millennium physically were there during the great tribulation and saw things and were able to share them with us. Things like, um, well, I mean. To be perfectly frank, or um, <clears throat> I don't know, that's not the right term. To be exceedingly forthcoming, <clears throat> one particular individual had testified that they had they were in the Great Tribulation and they saw people getting chased by reptilian beings and eaten alive, men, women, and children. Um. That's a very brief and concatenated example of some of the things that that individual saw. But anyway, back to the point. How is it that there's so much confusion? How is it that there are so many what appear to be false prophecies, but that are they're not really false? I mean, they are, but they aren't. And I'm going to explain that um, just because it's something good to know. And then we're going to go right back to give God praise. Share some, excuse me. I'm, I'm eating like a bird these days, and sometimes it doesn't set well with your digestive system. But anyway, praise God. Um, the um, <clears throat> Because it will help us to be able to 
not get frustrated, to reduce our frustration, and also warn us, impart upon our hearts that it's dangerous out there. I mean, it really is. For, um, there, just to give you an example, just, just an example. This is coming from somebody who's been doing this stuff for 13 years. Like I said, at, at one point I had counted up to seven, you know, it was 5,000 radio shows at one point, and I estimated probably another 2,000 had been done since then. So my guesstimation overall was, I don't know, 7,000. That was just off-the-cuff guess. You know, the uh, the counter at Blog Talk Radio says uh, over 5 million listens, but that doesn't take into account um, folks that uh, listen, you know, over and over again. And it also doesn't take into account radio shows that are translated over to YouTube or translated over to Rumble and then uploaded to Rumble. And then it doesn't take into account group listens where I've gotten emails of testimony of people that one one time an email came in where an individual oh, let me know that he lived in the Philippines and that they would gather together in a building in a room, I guess, that had Internet access or whatnot. And there was over 300 people in that one single room. But anyway, it's all kind of beside the point. I think what's really important is we stay laser focused on why. What's going on here? Are these all false prophets? What? Th- this is confusing, right? Well, we have many demonic, unfortunate, extremely end times. The second to the last DVD end times. The period of sorrows. Imagine that. Jesus said when you see all, this is a, you know, a summarization, an excerpt, if you will, from the Olivet Discourse. Uh, when the apostles were basically saying, Lord, can you please tell us, you know, when, when, you know, what should we be looking for that are signs that would be, you know, that, of your imminent coming? That's when Jesus, at the, at the Mount of Olivet, um, you know, went into a uh, kind of a discussion, a, talk, a talking points discussion, a dissertation of sorts. And he explained, you know, in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13, there is an, an account of the Olivet Discourse in the book, in the Gospel of John. So what's really fascinating without splitting hairs and looking at the nuances of the differences and everything, what's really fascinating is each one of them essentially tells the same story, but just slight variations, not anything that would be a contradiction at all. Almost like it was being given to us from the viewpoint of somebody who is standing over to the left versus somebody who is standing over to the right or whatever, or hearing from a distance or whatever the case. But anyway, here is what's happening right now. Okay, I've talked about this before, but as is always the case, the radio show program that I'm doing any given time, because we have a guest that's lined up or because we, uh, you know, just have uh, too much information, too much end times information that's relevant. That's the that's the biggest challenge of all. It's. If if we were to share, if I was to share with you every relevant end times event that is newsworthy and helps to stitch together um, one of the very many threads of end times dynamics, 
For example, wars and rumors of wars. That's a thread of end times dynamics. Signs in the sun and moon and the stars. That's another thread of end times dynamics. Power, signs, and lying wonders. That's another thread of end times dynamics. False prophecies. That's another thread of end times dynamics. Uh, and I'm really barely t- tip it, I'm not even touching the tip of the iceberg here. I mean, if I was to make an off-the-cuff guess of how many threads of, you know, categories of information that you could focus on, aliens and alien spaceships and strange events in the sky and strange dark black 10-foot-tall creatures walking together through a mall and scaring people so bad. Hundreds of police officers gathering, people utterly befuddled and blown away in tears, freaking out, being visited by men in black to being told that this is a matter of um, you know, national security and you are not to say a word, to have the actual police officers themselves told by their leadership that if you say a word about this to anybody, you're fired. So much so that they can't even tell their own family. Imagine that. And that's just one event of an entire thread of end times events. And there's so many of them. So I'm going to share this piece because I know that when I know that when I listen to a radio show, doesn't matter, you know. And I don't do that much anymore. I, there was there was a time ten years ago or whatever I used to listen like crazy. Every second I had, I used to listen to radio shows and YouTube's and prophecies, dreams and visions, all kinds of stuff. Because I was trying to collect as much information as I could. But, the, but you know, and we're all in a different place in our walk. So I always anticipate. In fact, I expect it. I believe in my heart in advance that people are going to go out and look and listen. And that I'm going to have to, you know, not always, not always. But there are some quite noteworthy cases, probably more than... 200 of them over the last 10 years, where the individual would be so freaked out about what they heard, they would come, you know, back to me with emails or text messages and, oh, no, is this true? Oh, no, can you please help me? You know, just, you know, and it, it, then I started to implore people who are listeners, please, it's dangerous out there. Please don't go to YouTube for your, for your Bible learning. Please don't do that. You know, if you have a small child that you're raising and, you know, it's really, really dangerous for them to go into the basement because maybe it's an unfinished basement. Maybe there's, you know, nails that are on the floor that they'll, they'll stick into their feet. Maybe they'll, you know, get killed because they opened up a wrong door or tripped or fell or whatever the case is. And you don't want your kids to go down there. Maybe the stairs are creaky and cracky and you don't want them to fall and die or hurt themselves. You know, what, what are you, what are you going to do as their parent or, or, or maybe not as their parent, but how about as just a friend? If you have a friend and you know that if your friend goes down, you know, your friend comes to you and they're all excited 
and they said, oh, I've just found this wonderful church. And you're like, oh, really? Tell me about it. And they tell you about this wonderful church that they've joined up and now they're, they're a, a member of and they're so excited and all the things they're learning. And then you discover that, they've, you know, that they tell you about it. And not to pick on any one particular one of the 33,000 different denominations. I don't know how many of the major denominations there are out there, but, you know, and you, and you hear what they say and you're like, you're, 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 you're gasping. You're like going, oh, no, of all the places they could have ended up, they ended up there. And then what do you do? You just look them in the eyes and say, oh, no, you shouldn't have gone to that church. They believe this and this and this, and that's all false. But see, in the, in the impression of the mind of the heart, the mind and the heart of the person who told you about this wonderful church that they found, for the first time in their life, they've walked into a building where people were giving them hugs, welcomed them. They felt great. The people listened. They were great listeners. They, they, they had picnics and cookouts and social events. And for the first time in this person's life, they finally feel wanted. They finally feel like they're a part of something. And then there you are trying to explain to them that what they teach is very, very bad. Well, if that person has spent their whole life with no fellowship, no love, no hugs, no any of that. Do you think they're going to stop going because you had an opinion? Chances are they're not. And people are very, very hungry. I mean, famished is a better word for information. And it depends. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being you're as close to really having more than 85 to 90% of your understanding of the end times is accurate. You don't know when Jesus is coming, that's for sure. But you have enough information to know how deep, you know, you can look at the Olivet Discourse and it reads just like a newspaper. You know that when Jesus said, when all these things happen, this don't get excited because this is the beginning of sorrows. And then to be able to recognize that we've progressed so far from that point that we're actually in the sorrows period. Because if you have the beginning of sorrows, what comes after that? The sorrows period. And we are in the sorrows period. So whatever was dangerous five years ago is ten times more dangerous today. How is that? Why could that be true? Well, if you're running out of time, if that ship that you're on, that cruise ship that you're on going to the Bahamas has had an accident, and there's water gushing into the lower levels and everybody's people are running with you. You got, you know, maybe 20 or 30 people running down a passageway as fast as you can because the rushing water is heading right up there. And you're closing the doors and tightening the hatches and running and running and running as fast as you possibly can. And you get to this place. Some of these cruise ships are enormous. And you get to this juncture, this uh, passageway juncture where you could go to the left, right, keep going straight. You have some choices to make. But the water is rushing at you. You only have 
a few seconds to decide, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I keep running straight? And that's where we are right now. We're on that second to the last DVD right now. It might be a long DVD, but we're on that second to the last DVD because the very last DVD is the 3.5 years, 1260 days, times, times, half a time, you know, of the Great Tribulation. 42 months. And that's when reptilians are manifesting all over the place. And not just reptilians, but many, many other otherworldly beings. Some that are in host bodies and can be killed. And others that are spiritual beings, similar to the ones that were manifest at the Miami Mall. They could not be killed. So we're, if you're able to wrap your arms around that um, analogy that I just laid out, and you understand it, you know, we're not just at the beginning of the second to the last DVD. Some people think we haven't even entered into the last seven years. They're looking for this, you know, uh, for the, you know, for him to make a covenant with many. They're still counting down those last seven years because they've drank the Kool-Aid associated with that dynamic. You know, there are entire books that are alternate. They have a completely alternate understanding, and they don't believe that, the, you know, there's many, many scholars that do not believe that the the idea of the Daniel's 70th week is 3.5 plus 3.5. With the covenant with many, cutting it right down the middle, essentially. Um, I think I have that right. Or is it the covenant with many and then the beginning of the 3.5 years? It doesn't matter because I'm not a 3.5-year, 3.5-year person. The only thing that I know is 3.5 years, 1,260 days, 42 months. You know, even, even The metaphor of even one hour is used in, in uh, the text. Um, is the Great Tribulation. That is the last DVD in the set. Where are we in the second to the last DVD, the period of sorrows? How far deep are we into that DVD? How many episodes are on it? Have we, are we halfway through it? How close with all of the alien signs in the sun and the moon and the star seas roaring kind of weird things that are happening in the sky right now? The portals opening, so many, so many videos are making it on TikTok, making it on um, the, all over the place. I mean, you name it, Instagram, uh, YouTube, take your pick, take your pick. Are portals, they appear to be portals being open to me. I've been doing this a real long time. I've seen portals open 12 years ago, for real. I I was around when they uh when the, you know when they uh, back before uh, 2012 when they were doing satanic rituals um you know at the CERN facility and people were just going nuts over that. Uh that was uh probably around 20, sometime around 2011 or the first few months of 2012. And people were so sure that was it. People were predicting the the uh, rapture to occur pretty much every week. <laughs> it's going to be next next Thursday at two o'clock in the afternoon, or it's going to be this fall in September for sure, 
or whatever the case is. And uh, I won't even get into it because there's so many different permutations and belief systems that have manifested themselves. I mean, I could name ministry after ministry after ministry after ministry after ministry that have fallen flat on their face with their predictions, trying to count down the years, trying to figure out that which God said he wasn't going to let anybody know because they believe that God really didn't mean it. That Jesus really didn't mean it when he said that nobody knows about my father, not even the angels in heaven. Nah, there's got to be a way to figure it out. I'm not going to name any names. I'm just naming the behavior. And I, you know, I was like anybody else back then. I wanted, how exciting is it when you're living in a dark place and now the earth is what? 20 times more dark than it was in 2011? Is it 100 times more dark? What was going on under those Chabad Lubavitch uh, facilities and those tunnels? Uh, I don't even want to think about it. It's too horrible to even consider. The very idea that the New York Police Department would back up cement trucks and pour cement in there before an investigation was properly performed is absolutely mind-shattering. Mind-shattering. But they are. It's a cover-up on top of a cover-up. So let's get back to the, the point at hand, and then let's get back to giving praise to our Heavenly Father, reading some scripture, taking communion. But I wanted to share this with you because over the years, particularly after 2016, I started to beg people, please stay off of social media for your fix on Jesus because you're going to be misled. And it has been very, very, very true. I don't know how many people that used to listen to this show have gone off sideways. I do know that there were some, like, I'll give you one example. There were probably one of hundreds. But there was one particular lady uh, who would, you know, talk to me a lot. She would send me text messages every day. And we'd chat. And at some point, she had gotten a hold of a YouTube video and got sucked into the uh, Hebrew roots movement. See, the vulnerability of people who don't, you know, I'm not picking on anybody, I'm just saying, when you don't really, really know the whole Bible and the whole story and how it all snaps together, if you haven't read the New Testament at least, I don't know, I would say probably five times, maybe more, then you're, you're not prepared. You're just not prepared. And if you don't understand how contracts work, when you have an existing contract and then you get a new contract, an old covenant and a new covenant, and how there are clauses, there are parts of it that have been changed by the new contract. Does it mean that the old contract has been eradicated? No. The old contract is still as valid as it ever was, but there are certain clauses, certain clauses that are binding, loosing and binding, loosing and binding, that which is loosed in, in heaven is, you know, that which is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven, that which is bound on earth is bound in heaven. These are legal terms. 
That's why Jesus, when he came, he was like, you have heard that it's okay to do this. But I say, now that is a new binding clause that supersedes all of the scriptures in the Old Testament that conflict with it. But unbelievers will read the Bible and say, well, the Bible conflicts itself because Psalms 127 verse 4 says this, and uh, Matthew 34, uh, you know, 14 says this, and these are contradictions. But they don't understand. It's an old contract and a new contract. But see, they're covenants. And a covenant is a contract that has, it's permanent. It's eternal. Most contracts that are on paper here on the earth have a termination date. Or certain parts of that contract or agreement have a sunset period. They're only in effect for so long. But when Jesus came and he said, but I say, love your neighbors, you know, do good, pray for the people that persecute you. You know, that's, that is a new covenant contractual binding clause that overrides everything. So every single verse in the Old Testament that says anything about, you know, uh, oh, Father, thou shalt smite thine enemies and kill them. Those are no longer in effect. They've all been eradicated. They don't exist anymore. We are currently in the Jesus. Look, when Jesus, as God, came to the earth and he brought us the new covenant, the new binding eternal contract, he had every right as God coming to this earth to die horribly. And our Heavenly Father gave him that and allowed him to raise the bar. And now we're in the, what I like to call the love covenant. Because love essentially replaces the law. There is no law with love. You don't need it anymore because you love. Everything is out of love. Love of our Father, love of our Lord Jesus. And when that love becomes a part of who you are and Jesus truly resides in you, then you have Jesus' love. And all of a sudden you see yourself behaving differently than you ever used to behave. You actually have empathy. You care. Your heart aches when other people hurt. And you want to help them. Through this, the Lord has made me so altruistic that I'm altruistic to a fault. I've done, you know, because remember, we're on the second to the last DVD now. And pretty deep into it, I would submit. How deep, I don't know. I really don't. I hope we're pretty deep. And remember that the Bible, when it talks about the days that we're in right now, it says, it prefaces the passage with words like, there will come a time. Obviously, it wasn't the time that it was penned. 
talking about sometime in the future. And yet when you read the passage, you're like, wait, wait a minute, that's today. And it certainly is. So right now, we're living in a time on the second to the last DVD where there will come a time when all these really creepy, weird things will happen, where people won't will heap up for themselves teachers because they have itching ears and they do not want to hear sound doctrine. Don't mention the devil in the church. Don't scare the, 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 you know, the sheep out of the church. Don't tell them anything. Don't give them the whole story. Just jump around for joy and tell them Jesus loves them. They'll be all happy and go home and just hug each other and kiss each other and make a big potluck dinner. But did the preacher do his job? Was anybody convicted? Who has a contrite spirit? Rueful, sorrowful. You know, are we the tax collector or are we the Pharisee? And thank God for his mercy because... As long as we're not out there saying things that are going to send people to the pit, like Hebrew roots, the closing of that story was that the that young lady, when she turned to the Hebrew roots, she threw herself in head first. She was 20,000 leagues under the sea, completely sold on Hebrew roots. I mean, if she could have been, if she, if she could have, she would have become a, a, a Hasidim. She'd be down in them tunnels. Or at least doing the things that Paul uh, Paul went out of his way. And I'm not going to get into that teaching because it's in, it's uh, it's part of a, part of the story is captured in Galatians. And then you have to map it back over to, I think, uh, one of the books of Peter. But anyway, um, the you have to know the story, know what they're talking about. It's referred to... Bible teaching-wise is the Jerusalem Accords. And that's when Paul went back to Peter and he said, it wasn't just Peter, I think it was John too or somebody, but whatever, uh, definitely Peter. And, he, and he's, they, were, they were playing both sides of the street. They had one foot in the law and one foot in Jesus. So as soon as some of the Jewish people would come around, you know, as opposed to the Gentiles, they would go, oh, well, you all need to get circumcised. Oh, well, y'all need to do this. Y'all need to do that. And when Paul got wind of it, Paul was like, he dropped everything, went back to Peter, and put the, put the smack down on him. It's known as the Jerusalem Accords. So there you have a, an account where Peter, when he should have known better, he was already doing the apostle thing. Right? And Paul had to go back and correct him. And it wasn't a pretty thing. It wasn't like Paul wasn't going like, Peter, so good to see you. Give me a big old hug, man. Man, I just love you, brother. Come on. hug Jesus hugging kisses. Holy kisses. I love you, brother. No, Paul went back to Peter and leaned into him and said, what are you doing? young lady went into the Hebrew roots, and she literally disappeared. Well, didn't want nothing to do with me. Never heard from her again. I probably have, I don't know, a hundred stories like that. 
Now, it's irrelevant because I'm not important. What is important is the fact that that person did not understand their Bible well enough and became a victim of someone on YouTube jawjacking about something that they have no idea about and sucking them into the pit. And that dynamic has been in play heavily right now, more than I've ever seen in my life since Trump entered into the presidency in 2016. I'm not saying that Trump had anything to do with it. Absolutely not. I have seen more deception, more wrongful visions, more wrongful prophecies. I've heard more wrongful statements through prophecies, etc. It just exploded after 2016. It was amazing. And then they kept getting more and more and more all the way up to 2019. And then we all know what happened in 2019, right? It's when the pandemic started. And that's also when the perfect sign of the Lord, where the uh, 343 blood or 434... 343434 blood moon pattern occurred. It was absolutely impossible mathematics. It made the um, September the 25th of 2015 uh, biblical blood moon event seem like an absolute waste of time. But anyway, I'm not going to I don't want to get lost in that. What I want to do is get back to the prayer vigil and explain what's going on so that Instead of asking, why can't I go down into the basement? Why can't I go out on YouTube and find somebody that claims they have, or Rumble or whatever, and find somebody that claims they're hearing from God? Why can't I? Why shouldn't I? Well, if you're willing to take that risk, do you know your Bible well enough to know when they're not telling you the right thing? Most don't. Most don't. And they get sucked into the pit. Now, are they going to make it in heaven? I do not know. But there are certain offenses that people can get sucked into in their belief systems that will not allow them to enter into the gates of heaven. Jesus will stop them. Um, but anyway, I, 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 let me let me help you. That there's two major dynamics that are in play now, more than ever before. The first one, now I have played, I think, three times as a best of show for the prayer vigil when I was unavailable or traveling or whatever. How Satan stops our prayers, combat in the spiritual realm. And I've included in the email, marketing email that I send out to everybody, how very, very deeply important understanding this testimony is, and that you can't listen to it enough. It's like you can't read the New Testament enough because you're always going to see something new, lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts. You're going to learn something new. It's going to build. It's going to build. It's going to build even more. But this time, I'm just going to share with you this one little part, this very piece of it, because when you're listening to the whole thing, you're what, what happens to, to, to any person that's in a man body? And by the way, when Lo- Brother Lauren was talking the other day, that he got a few things that were a little sideways. It's not man. To, to our Heavenly Father, the use of the term man 
is simply referring to the type of host body. It's not, it has nothing to do with gender whatsoever. Nothing to do with gender. It is talking about, for example, if there's a, an, a planet called planet Triceratops, and there's a civilization of people on there called the Triceratopsians, and they all look like octopuses or octopi, then our Heavenly Father might say they are octopi. But it doesn't but what he's really saying is that their host body is in the shape of an octopi. Okay? He's not differentiating. He's not bothering to say, well there's female octopi and there's male octopi. He's simply saying they're in octopi bodies, host bodies. So when he uses the term man or men, it's all inclusive. The type of host body that we're in is known as men, men host body. We're made in God's image. Now, are there other alien species out there that are, are in images? They look almost exactly like us? And the answer is absolutely yes. I have videos of some of them. And if it wasn't for their malformed ears and different little telltale features that let you know that they're not human, you wouldn't know. But anyway, so at the very end of How Satan Stops Our Prayers, Combat in the Heavenly Realm, I think is the title, but the better term is spiritual realm, because it's not true that the interpretation, this notion that the second heaven is outer space is false. That is absolutely as false as false can be. There is only one heaven. There are the heavens, which the Hebrew refers to as the Shamayim, which is where the planets orbit one another out in outer space. But there's heaven, which is where our Heavenly Father set up his command post, his headquarters for all of creation. And you might say, well, why would God do that? Why wouldn't he be in some kind of dimension that's aloof and disconnected from it all? Well, why did our Heavenly Father walk on the earth and talk to Sarai and talk to uh, Abraham? Why did Sarah get in trouble for snickering? Because uh, God said, you know, our, our Heavenly Father said, while he was in a man body, by the way. So our Heavenly Father had incarnated in that story into a human body. Men angels. Now Hebrews warns us, be, you know, be careful. Be careful who you entertain because you might unwittingly entertain an angel. Compare that type of an angel, which is an angel in a man body, okay, in a human body, um, to the angel that came to visit Daniel, that freaked him out so bad. Eyes like fire or a face like fire and eyes like barrel or a face like barrel and eyes like fire. Freaked him out so bad he literally threw himself onto his stomach. I mean, it's, he's lucky he didn't break ribs. Prostrate on the ground he was so freaked out. 
Fear not, Daniel, beloved of the Lord. The same guy that in only a couple of chapters or you know uh, earlier was repenting of his sins before God, confessing of his sins. How much more so should we continuously repent, um, confess of our sins, searching our own hearts, examining ourselves, our thoughts. So there are spiritual manifestations of angels, and there are angels from our Heavenly Father that incarnate into human bodies. And they do things here on the earth. Why would they do that? They would do that because if they were in their normal spiritual angel form, they'd freak everybody out. And you'd have another Miami Mall incident. They have a job to do. And they need to look just like us to do the job. So they incarnate into a human body. That's why I like to always recommend that, somebody, that you take the time to find the movie Starman with Jeff Bridges. Because it has a lot of these concepts in the movie as part of the plot. All right. So let's examine why it's so dangerous out there. And it's been danger- really dangerous. Four, five, six, seven, eight. At least eight. No, approaching nine years now. And a lot of people have been lost, a lot of good believers. I hope that the Lord brings them back. And I pray frequently for the uh, Seven Mountains Mandate Christians and those who have been tricked by them, which, like I said, David Wilkerson referred to as pillow prophets. Pray for them a lot. Some of the members of my family are sucked into that stuff. Now they're starting to slowly break away, which is good. Because they're like going, none of this stuff they're saying. But I just saw the other, the, just the other day, I won't name any names except for General Wesley Clark. Okay, because I'm not denigrating him. I'm actually complimenting him and good for him. But he actually said on Twitter the other day, uh, he mentioned the name of the lady who claims that she's a prophet. And he said, let us all pray that so-and-so is right. Let us all get behind her in prayer. And I'm like thinking to myself, uh, okay, but do you know who that is? But it's okay. People are waking up. That's what's important. Everybody's going to have to find their way. And sometimes finding, their, finding your way means you're going to have to walk over coals of fire and a lot of broken glass. And your feet are going to bleed and the flesh will be torn open. Kind of like my walk. Welcome to my world. Praise God. All right. So at the very end, one of the last uh, paragraphs of how Satan stops your prayers, it says the following. And I asked him, do you mean that an angel can be held captive by demonic forces? Now, I know that this, what, this testimony was given to John Melindy, and I'm actually very surprised that John Melindy asked that question particularly because it is in the story of Daniel's 21-day fast. The angel that was sent with the answer for Daniel's prayer, when will the Babylonian captivity end? The Babylonian captivity, back in the days when they were writing the Babylonian Talmud that allows these Khazarian Jews that are not Jews 
to do all this evil stuff, to look at all of us as filth that needs to be killed. So it goes, I ask him, do you mean that an angel can be held captive by demonic forces? So remember that when the when the angels have to come down, you know, when they're on assignment and they're sent down to the earth to do something, whatever that may be, they have to go through this you have to think of the earth like a molded milk ball, and the chocolate that's on, around it is that firmament that is the, what I would refer to as the spiritual realm. You could call it the air, whatever. It's got a lot of names. But it's definitely not the second heaven. It's definitely not. That's a misnomer for sure. So forget that. Wipe that out of your mind. In that realm, that demonic, dark, filthy realm, which, by the way, I've been told by multiple sources that have been there that it smells absolutely horrible, like, like, a, like a cesspool that's being drained. That our prayers rise up, which, by the way, is captured in the scripture when it says, you know, when, when there's references to the prayers rising up as like incense to our Heavenly Father. But anyway, they can, there are humans that are working for Satan that astral, astral project, where their, I guess, spirit or soul or whatever goes into the, you know, into the spiritual realm that's wrapped like a crust around the earth. And the angels hate, they hate it. They hate it. More than anything, they hate it. They hate to go through that. They don't want to go through it for any reason because they know what they're up against. It's really horrible for them to have to do that. Now, all that being said, in that realm, our prayers leave us and they go up toward the toward our, our heaven where our heavenly father is where the petitions are held for him to go through and answer or not or whatever the case is yay or nay whatever but the point is as they rise up they're like a little wisp of smoke and then but you know what they're vulnerable then so when a person just prays kind of haphazardly or just for a couple of moments it's just a little tiny wisp of smoke that rises up into that stench where the demons are waiting to stop the prayer. Well, when it's in that state and they can stop it, they're going to stop it. And they work in teams and they have humans that work for Saint and, and Astral Project. And so there's a big whole army of these entities from the bowels of hell that are up there in that spiritual realm for one sole purpose, and that is to stop the prayers of the saints, which is underscores how critically important our prayer time is. So anyway, so praying through, the concept of praying through, leaning in on your prayers, becoming very emotional and fervent in your prayers and really spending the time, being on your knees, doing it in the morning when you can't even hear a bird tweeting outside. There aren't some dump trucks picking up your trash and going, beep, 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 beep. 
I'm speaking from experience, by the way. <laughs> I, I, right now, I finally got myself right back where I need to be, where my routine has me going directly into prayer immediately. You know, after I do a couple of minor things in the morning, I wake up and do a couple of things, very minor, and then I go straight into prayer. And it's like 4.30 a.m. And I'm even thinking about stepping it back a half an hour to buy myself some more time. But anyway, here's the thing. You need to be able to lean in. You want to be, I want to be on my knees. My surgeon told me, I don't want you on your knees. He said, his exact words were, I really wish you wouldn't do that. And I'm thinking to myself, there ain't nothing that's going to stop me from getting on my knees before God. So anyway, so John Melindy sitting in front of the Satanist who would, as part of his duties for Satan, would astral project and help the other demons, kind of like a football game, um, stop the prayers of the saints, wipe them out, snuff them out before they even have a chance. Because if, if they're not praying through, if they're not emotional and really deeply focused and into it, the prayers never burst into holy fire. And that's the key. The prayers have to go from a wisp of smoke and burst into holy fire. And then they melt the uh, firmament, the crust at the top of this stench-filled realm of demonic principalities and thrones and whatever. And it melts it, opens up the heavens. So they're praying in open heavens now, and, they're, and their prayers are going directly into, into the throne room of God at that point. And those open heavens follow them wherever they go throughout the day, providing that they don't slip into sin. If they, if they slip into sin at any point during the day, that opening closes. Now, he's wrapping up and he's talking to John Lindy and he says, do you mean that an angel can be held captive by demonic forces, he asked? And the man did not know the scriptures at the time he was saying all this. He did not know very many verses. He was just sharing what he experienced. He said that they, the demonic forces, could not hold the angel very long because as other Christians prayed elsewhere, reinforcements would come and the angels would go get set free. Now, stop. This is exactly like Daniel, the Daniel... Uh, angel story, where he was on a 21-day fast, and an angel of the Lord was sent down to give him the answer to his prayer. But it was held back by what was referred to as the Prince of Persia. That would be a principality. Those are very strong angels, second order. I'm sorry, strong demons. They're, very, uh, they're second order, and they're problematic. To say the least, they're all problematic, but those are especially. So the point here is in the Bible, in Daniel 9 and 10, it talks about this. I forget the exact scriptures, but read Daniel 9 and 10. You'll, you'll, you'll hear the whole story. Because what happened was that angel with the answer to Daniel's prayer was stopped. He was detained by the principalities, the one of which was referred to as the Prince of Persia. And if it wasn't 
for the dispatch of, I think it was Gabriel, an archangel, he would have been trapped. He, he never would have gotten out of there. He would have been trapped. He would have been detained. And Daniel would never have gotten his answer to the prayer. But God sent down an archangel to kick the you know, huevos out of the uh, uh, prince of Persia to set the other angel free so that he was able to go down and deliver. You know, first he had to scare the heck out of Daniel um, so that we understood. And then, um, and then he gave him the answer to his prayer. Now, so it is in the Bible, if you know your Bible, but so few do. There's a lot of preachers and pastors out there. They don't even know their Bible. But anyway, he said that they could not hold the angel very long because as other Christians prayed elsewhere, reinforcements would come and the angels would go, go free. But then the next word is, however, comma. If the Christian responsible did not pray through, in other words, become full of the Lord, totally private, secret place of the Most High, nothing distracting them, leaning in on the prayers, fervently praying, nothing distracting them, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and you are just immersed in the presence of God, and you are in the secret place of the Most High, hallelujah. And it, and, and, and it says right here, however, if the Christian responsible did not pray through, their angel remained a captive. The demons take your angel that's bringing the answer to your prayer, and they hold that your angel captive. Now, the event with Daniel was evidently so important to God that he dispatched an archangel to, to take out the prince of Persia so that the answer could be sent to Daniel. But that doesn't happen all the time. As a matter of fact, I, I would submit that it's exceedingly rare nowadays, if it happens ever. But it goes on to say, he remained captive. So your angel is held by the principalities, power, spiritual host of wickedness, rulers of darkness. They're held captive while they're bringing you the answer to your prayer. I like to look at the answer to your prayer as like a glowing ball of light. So your angel has come into the spiritual realm. He's surrounded by demons and astral projecting workers for Satan. They're all looking at him and going, we need to detain that angel, detain him. And they go and they grab your angel and they hold him back. They give him a chokehold. And, and, and what are they trying to do? It says, then the enemy would send his own angel to them as an angel of light. What happens is, when your angel comes through that realm with the answer to your prayer, you have to think of it like a glowing ball of light. I believe that that's the very best way to think of it, because we can visualize that. Our angels coming to us with the answer to our prayer. We've been praying for 
forever for this answer. And now it's coming. And that angel's coming through there. It's all it's looking to its left. It's looking to its right. It's going, oh, man, look at them. They're coming at me. They're coming at me. And the angel's hurrying faster and faster, has a glowing uh, ball of light in his hand. I got to get my answer down to my to the person that was praying to, you know, and, and, and nope. The principalities and powers, they and the saintness, they they corner your angel, they detain your angel, and you know what they do? They rip the answer to your prayer out of the hands of your angel. Now they have that ball of light. When they that ball of light is like adrenochrome. Okay, the reason why these entities of extreme filth and darkness on this earth want that adrenochrome stuff is because it has the Spirit of God in it. They can't get it any other way. They don't have it, and the only way they can get it is to steal it and murder somebody so they can get the power from the throne room of God. Because all of us, even unbelievers, if we are part of the Edemic bloodline and not part of the serpent seed bloodline out of the land of Canaan, we, at conception, had the Spirit of God breathed into us. And just by that fact alone, they know, the force, these entities of filth and darkness on this earth, know that they can scare the heck out of you. There's two ways you can get adrenochrome, through sex magic and through um, – because the orgasm causes the same, the same thing to happen. It causes the adrenaline to pump into the blood, and then they take the blood, kill the person, drain out the blood, drink the blood. That's how they get the, the adrenochrome. They deal with the babies. They do it to all kinds of – Chabad Lubavitch entities do it. Okay, so it, it, it's way worse than most people think. I mean, have that guy – what is his name? Uh, Jim – Carvizel or whatever from Sound of Freedom, he's freaking out because he just figured it all out and he's running around telling everybody what they do. I've known about that for 12 years, maybe 13, 14 years. Um, it's, you find out about it pretty quick when you start studying that stuff and God wanted me to, to be knowledgeable about it. So what they're doing is they're, they're getting, they're ingesting power from God that they can't get any other way. They can't get in any other way. When your angel is sent to you with the answer to your prayer, that ball of light, and it's the answer to your prayer, and they're detained. Think of it like a football game, even if you don't like football. And, and some other player on the other team rips the ball out of the hand of the person running with the ball and takes it and runs it the opposite direction for a touchdown. That's exactly what they do with your prayer. They rip that ball of light out of the hands of your angel, and that's how the deceptions come. False visions. False prophecies. False leading. False guidance in the Spirit. And the making of all kinds of wrong decisions. 
And many times this person is open to all kinds of attacks and bondages from Satan. So, so many, so many of the people that are out there in social media, YouTubers, whatever, I'm not saying they're not Christians, but they don't understand these principles at all. They're not praying through. Their answer to their prayers is getting ripped out of the hands of their angels, and they have no idea because they don't get how it works. And that, the answer, that ball of light is taken and it's used against them. They think they're hearing from God, but they're not. They're hearing from a familiar spirit or a demonic presence that is masquerading as the voice of God. And so the information that they're handing out is wrong. Oh, Hebrew roots is the way to go. Join the Mormon tabernacle. So this concept of our prayers, the answers to our prayers, that is a very, that is power from God. And they steal it and they use it against us. Because the person who is doing the praying, who has the YouTube channel, with lots of people following them, doesn't understand the basic principles. And so they're deceived. And the best lie, the very, very best lie, is the one that has 98% truth, but a little bit of leaven. A little bit of leaven spoils the whole lump and can lead people into practices and things that are going to not only... You know, another concept is when people say things like, um, I don't worry about the rapture. I just want to serve God. You know, I, I just all I care about is serving God. I was destined, I just feel in my heart that I was destined to stay here on earth and to serve God on earth. Well, okay then. Then you were also destined to be called a fool by the Lord Jesus Christ, who you proclaim is your Lord, who you proclaim to love, that he's your first love, and Jesus Jesus was the one who, you know, told the parable of uh, the wise and foolish virgins. Jesus was the one who used the term foolish. So if you're standing there with fake, false, misguided, demonic bravado saying, oh, I feel like I was chosen to be here on earth to do things for God, and I don't care about the rapture, that is a satanic statement. It's demonically inspired by the ideals of darkness. Jesus called the foolish virgins foolish for a reason. And that is a very... Would you, how would you feel if you were at work? You've been with the company. We'll just say you've been with the company for seven years. And you knew you were going to get that promotion finally. You've worked so hard. You didn't leave the office until 7.30 at night. You were the last one. You flipped the lights off every night for like three years straight. 
you knew you were getting that promotion. But that promotion passed you up and it got given to somebody else. And your mind is blown. You cannot believe that you did not get that promotion. And you ask for a meeting with your boss. And your boss says, yeah, no problem. About 3 o'clock. And you go into your boss's office. Your boss says, please have a seat. Shut the door behind you. Thank you. And you sit down in front of your boss's desk. And you say, gosh, I really thought I was going to get that promotion. And your boss looks across the desk at you and says, well, I didn't give it to you because you're a fool. You're foolish. Are you going to be like Homer Simpson and go, woohoo, I'm foolish? No. It's not a compliment. It's an example of immaturity in your understanding of the Scripture when people say things like that, but they say it all the time. I've dealt with people saying things like that for you know well over a decade, 15 years easily, and it's, it's a shame because you don't understand the Bible, the Word of God, Jesus himself, who you proclaim as your Lord. You don't even understand the fundamentals. I don't... I am focused on getting as many people into the barley harvest and off this alien demon infested rock as fast because I know what's coming. I know how horrible it's going to be. And if there's anybody out there that thinks they're going to be doing God a service by staying behind and being called foolish by Jesus, then they are foolish. And Jesus is right. It's not about not wanting to serve Jesus while we're here and occupying, as the Bible essentially says, being about our Father's business. It's not about that. Of course we're going to be about our Father's business. What else are we going to do? Of course we are. Of course we are. We're going to pray for the lost. We're going to give until it hurts. We're going to touch other people's lives. We're going to be Jesus because Jesus is in us. He is part of who we are and who we've become. We can't help it. It's automatic to sit there and think, what should I do? Let me think this through and flip through the Bible, flip through the Bible. Maybe, uh, dear Heavenly Father, please show me a scripture that tells me what I should do. No, it's autopilot. Because you are Christ on the earth. You cannot help it. So by virtue of us still being here, we are already, you know, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So looking forward to leaving this place and being in the presence of Jesus, how can you say that Jesus is your first love? and not have that be your number one priority. Now, you know, if you're like Brother Sammy Mwangi and you're going over to Africa or like uh, Sister Tracy Shulman, you know, going over to Sierra Leone or whatever the case is, you know what? It doesn't mean 
Like I, I joked around with Sammy on the last show. I even said to him, you know, you're going to be over there working with the Maasai, and you're just going to disappear. And they're going to go like, hey, man, where'd that guy go? We want a well. And Sammy's like cracking up and laughing because he knows I'm right. It's true. One will be grinding in the mill, and the other one, one will be in the bed, and the other one working you know, on. One will be taken, the other one will be left. It's all in the Bible. But why wouldn't we want to? If, we, if Jesus is our first love, how could we not, like, hunger and thirst and pant like the deer? The very idea of, wow, just even seeing him, let alone being at the wedding supper. So... Anyway, now now there's one other thing. So I wanted to share the part about how the entities of darkness steal that orb of light from God that is the answer to our prayer. And then they take that as power. They masquerade as the word of God coming into somebody who believes they have a gift of prophecy or whatever the case is. And they give false prophecies and false visions because they're being duped by demons that are using the power of God stolen from somebody who didn't pray through. Okay, that's very important to understand because I would submit that of all the Christians that pray on the earth today, I would submit that probably less than 1% maybe 0.2% even understand this concept at all. What does that mean? It means there's a lot of power in that realm, a lot of angels that are coming down to deliver the answer of prayers that are having your prayer stolen out of their hands and used against we, the people of God. Very effectively, I might add. Very important thing to know about, because otherwise you will never be able to, you you won't be able to put it together. You won't, you'll you'll be befuddled, dismayed, very troubled, and you won't understand how can there be so much disparity between people that are supposed to be serving God. Wow, I'm going to, now there's one more thing I wanted to read, and then we're going to get back to the prayer vigil, and I'm going to move quick. This is the Stanley Frodsham prophecy. Stanley Frodsham was uh, the best friend of Smith Wigglesworth. And he received um, a very, very powerful prophecy that was referred to loosely as a prophetic call to discernment. And it says, and I'm skimming through it as quickly as I can, Okay, praise God. When I visit my people in the mighty revival power, it is to prepare them for the darkness ahead. It says the glory shall come with oh, with the glory shall come great darkness. So there's that the darkness rises as the glory rises. It happens at the same time. Most Christians have no idea that's how it works. It says, listen to the messengers, but do not hold men's persons in admiration. In other words, don't say, oh, well, that's... Sally May, and Sally May is such a wonderful prophet of Jesus. 
No, he says in his prophecy for all the way back to the 60s, he says, listen to the messengers, but do not hold men's persons in admiration. Don't say, oh, that's Sally May. She's a really wonderful prophet. Okay, that, that's a warning in this prophecy. And then it goes on to say, they shall be like bright lights, and the people shall delight in them, but they shall be taken over by deceiving spirits, and shall lead many of my people astray. Whoa. If that isn't the dictionary definition of the seven mountains mandate people, nothing is. Because it says, hearken diligently concerning these things, for in the last days shall come seducing spirits that shall turn many of my anointed people away. Whoa. That kind of flies in the face of, you know, um, that could deceive even the elect if it were possible. But wait a minute. It appears that these seducing spirits can turns many of my anointed ones away. It even says, for those who perform miracles and speak not righteous, not righteousness are not of me. But wait, how many people perform miracles but never warn people about hell? I warn you to search the scriptures diligently in these last days to determine whether or not what these people say is true or not. It goes on to say, he will speak the words of righteousness and truth and will appear as a minister of light, declaring the word. The people's heart shall be one. Then, when the hearts are one, they will bring out their doctrines and the people shall be deceived. Hebrew roots. And the people shall say, did he not speak thus and thus? And did we not examine it from the word? Therefore he is a minister of righteousness. If you want to read this entire prophecy, which is several pages long, which I highly recommend, by the way, you can go to tribulation-now.org or you can go to tribulationnow.com, one word, just type tribulationnow.com. Enter, and I'll take you to the website. And when you're there, look in the menu at the top. If you're on a mobile device, you might have to click the three bars on the upper left. But anyway, when you do that, what you want to do is you want to find the link that says Critical Prophecies. <clears throat> And click that link, because it will drop down a bunch of prophecies. And at the bottom will be one called the Stanley Frodsham Prophecy. I believe it should be mandatory reading for anybody who hopes to make the barley harvest today. Because... We're in the second to the last DVD... We're standing in that place on the Carnival Cruise that's filling up with water with a got to turn to the left, got to turn to the right. Do we run straight? Which, where, which way do we go? Which way do we go? How do we not die at this moment in time? 
We don't have a lot of time before the DVD ends, which means we have to act promptly, but accurately. We don't have time to be sifting through social media looking for somebody that tickles our fancy. Oh, they must be hearing from God. Must they? Must they? That's why I started to beseech people, please don't go out and look for the Lord in, on YouTube. Don't do it, man. Please don't do it. Because you're going to be led astray. I'm not saying that there's not some good Christians out there. I'm not saying that. Believe me, I'm not. What I'm saying is that you're going into a minefield. And it's very, very dangerous. But now we know what are the two major contributors of so much incorrect information being out there right now. And when you understand that, and you recognize that we're on the second to the last DVD, and we might be almost a third of the way through it, or more, there isn't a lot of time. That water's rushing up toward us in that carnival cruise. And we don't have time to make a wrong decision, because if we do, the repercussions are very significant. So if Jesus is our first love, the thing that ought to be the most important to us is making the barley harvest. So if you would join me in this one prayer, because I don't know about you, but my Bible. Hold on just a second. I've got to take this uh, pair of glasses out of my pocket. My Bible says in Matthew eighteen nineteen. Again, this is Jesus talking. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, to me, that sounds pretty clear. I don't know if it does to you, but to me, it sounds really, really clear. That's why I wrote this on a little card and laminated it, and I carry it in my pocket everywhere I go. Again, I say to you, Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Sounds like a promise to me. God is not a man that he should lie. So I write it down on a card, I laminate it, and I carry it with me everywhere. And what planet are we on? Do you think it's a pretty good bet that we're on planet Earth? And if that be true, then please join me in this prayer for all of us. Because we're getting pretty far into that second to the last DVD right now. If the David Doetry vision of that big copper ball alien spaceship or if, you, if you'd prefer, call it a fallen angel spaceship. That's fine. I'm not going to split hairs. It ain't the good guys, I'll tell you that. If that's true, which I have every reason to believe that it is, 
especially with all the weird alien stuff going on and otherworldly being stuff and portals opening and all the other weirdness that's happening today. Why wouldn't we think that that David Doetry, that David Doetry's vision from 1998, I think it was, or 96, I forget which one. Why wouldn't we think that that was going to be the case? That it, or at least that it's highly likely the case. Because, it, you know, if if the if this information were tomatoes, those tomatoes are bright red. They're begging to be picked. Twenty one thirty six says, "Pray always." It doesn't say pray on Mondays. It says pray always. Matter of fact, you know what? Let me go ahead. Let me take it right out of the scripture. Twenty-one thirty-six. Ah, watch, therefore. Doesn't say watch reruns of Frasier. We need to be watching the things that are happening across the earth. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to understand what the third seal and the fourth seal and the sixth seal and all that stuff is. We need to understand what's written in the Olivet Discourse. It says, watch, therefore. Don't cower and go, oh, I can't take any more of this ugliness. Oh, Chabad Lubavitch and all these tunnels. And oh, I can't stand it. I can't watch it no more. I can't take it anymore. The Bible says, watch, therefore. And pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And of the hundred, I figure it's a hundred by now, but maybe it's only (coughs) fifty. Excuse me. (coughs) Forgive me. I don't know how many, but of all the testimonies and books that I've read about heaven, the vast majority of believers do not see Jesus when they arrive at heaven. They might ask to see Jesus. They might want to see Jesus, but they don't see Jesus. Because Jesus is on Mount Zion. He's in the throne room of God at the right hand of the Father. The vast majority of of believers enter in in the outer the outer uh, environments, the um, what the Bible refers to as the outer darkness. But it's not – it's simply – if you look at the actual text, it's not the outer darkness. It's the shadowy area. It's the part of heaven where – which is not lit up by the glory of God 24 by 7. That's a, see, that's a bad term for heaven because we don't even know what the rotational periodicity is of planet heaven anyways. But the point I'm trying to make is it's referring to the country mansion area, not up on Mount Zion, where the city, which is the city of the living God. Okay, it's it's that, that's up high. That's where the Crystal River comes over the side and 
into the country mansion area. And if you keep on going further out, that's where the disobedient, the more disobedient of a Christian that you were, the further out you're going to be. But most, the vast majority, 99.9% of the believers go in, enter into heaven and go into the country mansion area, into the outer suburbs. They don't go to the city of, they don't go to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to an innumerable company of angels, to just men made perfect, to the heavenly Jerusalem. They don't go there. The reason there's no shadow of turning is because up in the top of where Mount Zion is, the glory of God from the throne room is so brilliant, and the light is, the glory light is everywhere. And, you know, yes, there are no shadows. It's not the shadowy area. It's where God's glory lights it up continuously. It's where the apostles live. It's where the city mansions are. And we should all hope that our rewards package would include a city mansion and a country mansion. The city mansions are awesome. Most of them have terraces in the back that have a view of the throne room of God and the Crystal River coming down. Absolutely gorgeous. So that's how I know when it says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Well, Jesus is up in Mount Zion. The wedding supper table has been set. I'm sure the food is cooking, and I can't wait to get there. Because I've been on this keto diet like forever. Uh, So please pray with me like the Bible commands us to. Because we are on earth. And we certainly don't want to be here for what's coming. Surely not. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray, please, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in accordance with the promise that you have given us in your word, which is Jesus. In Matthew 18, verse 19, and when two or more of us are praying together on earth, that, the, that we will receive that which we pray for by the glory of our Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, Father God, please, we pray. First off, we want to say that we confess of our sin, just like David did in Psalm 51. For our sins are always before us, and in sin our mothers conceived us. Wash us with your hyssop. Make us whiter than snow. Create in us a clean heart, O Lord, For we know we are unworthy. We rent our robes before thee as the tax collector, with tears gushing from our eyes, with a contrite spirit, knowing there is no possible way that we could be worthy. There's no practice, there's no thing we can do. Only by your grace. And we ask you, please, Jesus, please, please, Lord, please, Father, count each of us worthy. 
count us worthy to escape all these things that are that will come to pass. The CBDCs, the social credit scores, being thrown into FEMA camps, being tortured, being cast into the streets with no roof over our heads, the horrors that are coming upon this earth, paratrooping Chinese coming down from airplanes, shooting people everywhere they see them, United Nations soldiers of all different just gunning people down in the streets, millions and millions of people laying dead, babies, moms, dads, dead in the streets, horrible horrors that most of us can't even imagine and wouldn't even watch if they were in a movie. Father, we pray, please, have mercy upon us. We know we're not worthy. And if you don't count us worthy, we're going to be here for it. And we're beseeching you. We're asking you, please, Father, hear our prayers. Act upon them. Do not delay. Do not delay. Please, Father. Please, Jesus, in spite of ourselves, count us worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before you, Jesus, at the wedding supper. Please count us worthy. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Oh, yes, we thank you and praise your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for answering that prayer for all of us. For all of us.
Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, and by the blood of the Lamb of God, we decree that any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that they set their wills against us, that they shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God and burned into screaming agony. In Jesus' name, we declare the fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to encapsulate our entire house, our dwelling places, and to protect and encapsulate our bodies, to encapsulate our cars wherever we drive, to encapsulate our loved ones in the name of Jesus, and to protect them, that nothing unclean can touch them. In Jesus' holy name hallelujah we decree in the name of the lord jesus that any any live or any uh, uh, fiery dart that is launched against us any demonic contract any demonic agreement any uh, earthly or spiritual weapon will be vaporized by the holy fire of god in the name of jesus when it is levied against us in jesus name Hallelujah. We decree and declare in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ by his blood, the fire of God to surround us and to be extensible and to expand outward and burn all demons of darkness, those that even attempted to launch the fiery darts, that attempted to use the spiritual or earthly weapons, that attempted to sign the demonic contracts or agreements, to burn them in the screaming agony. And we decree in Jesus' name, warrior angels, to descend upon them, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut in Jesus' name. We decree the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn the agony in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And Lord Jesus, we plead your blood to seal that pit. For only you, the Lamb of God, can break that seal. We praise your name. Father, we also plead for a platoon of warrior angels to be assigned to us. Father, to shut down all demonic portals, to shut down all indirect threat vectors that would attempt to come against us through our loved ones, our, through our jobs, through any dynamic here on this earth. To shut them down, to make good eyes blind, good ears deaf in the name of Jesus. 
When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And we praise your holy name, Father God, for this dynamic. We ask you for these warrior angels to protect us on all sides. We pray, Father God, for eight-foot-tall, mean, strong, well-armed warrior angels to stand guard outside our dwelling places and at least one of them to follow us wherever we go. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse cleanse us all, Father, from our secret faults. Keep back your servants also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over us. Place a contrite spirit upon our hearts. Humble us before your incredible glory. And then we shall be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Based upon Psalm 19:12, Father, we abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we praise your holy name. We believe in our hearts that we are ready for all. We accept all. Father, Let only your will be done in us all. We wish only this, Father, into your hands. We commit our soul into your hands, Jesus. We commit our soul and our spirit into both of your hands. We praise you and we give it to you with all the love of our heart. For we submit to you, let us give you our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as our spiritual service of worship to you. We need to give of ourselves to you. We need to surrender ourselves into your hands without any reserve or hesitation and with unlimited confidence because you are our dear Father, our Abba Father. We praise your name and thank you for this opportunity to praise you, to spend this time in your presence. Thank you for counting us worthy. We praise your holy name forever and ever. Forever and ever. Amen. And now let us enter into communion.
disciples were seated about you at the eve of unleavened bread. You said I'd eagerly yearn for the supper, and that you'd suffer so we children could be fed. I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be torn. They did not understand the reach of his plan. In his love, we were told to rejoice, not to mourn. So we gathered from memory the glory of the Lamb, the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the king and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, And went back up to heaven to plead to the heavenly courts. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done. You had covered the cross, and I can only imagine the thunder of sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains. All that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather remembering the of our soul. Destroyer of death, the Lord of our all. The light in our arms, the edge of our sword. The King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. By the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased.
But you, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. 1 Peter 2.9 Colossians 3.12 Philippians 4.8 Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Matthew 26, 39. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, received up in glory. 1 Timothy three sixteen. We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, please have mercy upon us according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out our transgressions, Wash us, Father, thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. Thank you, Jesus. We acknowledge and confess our transgressions and our sin, Father, because our sin is always before us. Against you and you only, we have sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Father, behold, 
You desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make us to know your wisdom. Father, we pray that you will purge us with your hyssop and then we will be clean. We beseech you to wash us that we should be whiter than snow. Make us hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken, albeit metaphorically, oh, Father, may bring us joy and gladness. Hide your face from our sins. Please, please blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast us away from your presence and do not allow us to grieve the Holy Spirit. Restore to us, Father, the joy of your salvation and uphold us with your generous spirit and then we will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will be converted to you. We ask you, Lord, deliver us from the guilt of our past sin. God of our salvation. And then we shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Supper, Holy Communion, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Madodi, Madodi, Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved, beloved is mine. Praise you, Jesus.
I will always follow you. To spread the word, to be a figure of truth. I trust in you. servants and foot washers of mankind. So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Ezekiel 2230. Yeah, holy oil. I forgot to annoy myself. I don't know about you, but I don't like to do anything without holy oil. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we consecrate ourselves into your hands. We consecrate ourselves into your hands, Lord Jesus, into your ownership in Jesus' name. Isaiah 6, 8. Also, we heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? Father, here we are. Send us. We praise your name. And now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Colossians 2.15 Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Intensified prevailing prayer. Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Charles Spurgeon said, He who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Wesley L. Duell, the book Mighty Prevailing Prayer. James 5, 16 
be. The effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Fervent meaning having or dispassionate intensity, impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervid, and heartfelt. We cast out demons. Mark sixteen seventeen to 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, and by the way, the word drink means to ingest, in any manner, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Does it say miraculously and at that split second of time? No, it does not. But they will recover. Second Corinthians ten four through six. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal; they're not of earth, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing, principalities and powers and spiritual awakenings and high places, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against instead principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Luke 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. What about the people that don't do these things? I don't think they get the same benefit. Mark twenty-five, Mark 9, 25, When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. There's an exclamation point. Jesus wasn't asking, was he? And he spoke directly to the evil spirit. Get out! To learn. Matthew twelve twenty eight. Jesus said, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. So you kick out the strong man. Come forth! Get out! And then you call forth the subordinate demons. Kick them out! Cut off the head of the snake. The rest of the snake dies. Matthew twelve forty three to 45 when an unclean spirit goes out of a man he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none and then he says I will return from to my house from which I came and when he comes he finds it empty swept and put in order because the demons were cast out but then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than themselves and they enter and dwell there in the house and the last state of the man is worse than the first, and so shall it be with this wicked generation, because we fail to go and sin no more. Like Jesus told the man, lest the worst thing come upon you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we symbolically hold up a golden cup of forgiveness before your throne. And we pray, Father, please, pour out this golden cup of forgiveness upon all of the peoples of the lands in Oceania. Father, from the northern sides of Papua New Guinea, 
across all the archipelago island nations throughout Indonesia. Father, we pray for the people of Borneo. We pray for the people of Sumatra. We pray for the people of Australia. We pray for the people of Tasmania, New Zealand, the South Pacific Islands, the Solomon Islands, and all lands in between. Father, please pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness upon all of them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of Oceania for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's and unhindered into the lands of Oceania in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we confess of their sins before thee. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness, rulers of darkness and high places above the lands of Oceania, we come against you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We decree fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony in the name of Jesus Christ. And we decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped swords sharp as razor blades, and archangels to follow to wage war against you such as never, ever, ever, ever occurred since before there was time in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost peoples across all of the lands of Oceania. Come forth, subordinate spirits, out now, strong men, out! We declare hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We decree the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, we plead your blood to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. And Father, we declare your holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to encapsulate them on all sides, Job 1.9, in Jesus' name. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace to enter into their spirit, enter into their soul, to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in accordance with John fifteen sixteen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And Father, we ask you, please, in Jesus' name, for an innumerable company of angels of light and love in the presence of our Lord Jesus to come upon all of the hundreds of millions of people across the lands of Oceania in dreams and in visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction, Job 33, 14, and 15. Job 33, 14 in the New King James says, for God may speak in one way or in another, 
yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering in their bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man away from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. The only offensive weapon in the entire armor of God is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. For in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness did not comprehend it. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise His holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice. As we lift your name on high. Renew our minds. Renew our soul, remove the scars from our past, and deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then, we will endure. We are the branches. On a living tree When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? 
Until then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full Our hearts are right Like those five wise virgins we will be Your bride awaits thee patiently Longing for that blessed sound The dead will rise The churches gather We're praying that We're worthy, Lord To join our family When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure And while we wait We will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure until you come back for your bride to set it free.